Welcome to the Wise Women Diaries podcast. This is where shame and victimhood die. I am a woman that questions everything. So this podcast is a reflection of that. Here, we speak on non-mainstream perspectives like personal growth in motherhood and relationships, awareness of the ego versus the soul, the voice of fear versus intuition. We discuss what it looks like to step into your power and step out of the medical paradigm. That's why I'm obsessed with interviewing women who trust their bodies and their babies in home birth and free birth and their wild journey from maiden to mother. Ultimately, this podcast is about women taking radical responsibility for their life, shedding victimhood for good. Motherhood is a spiritual walk if you let it be. This is what Taylor, you, Taylor, teach me in your mothering. This is what I learned from watching you. As a maiden, I have wise women like you around me and I witness that everything that happens in motherhood, every single day is an opportunity. It's reflecting, am I being a victim to my child today? Am I parenting from fear? Am I parenting from love? And I know it's not about perfection at all. It's just a perspective shift that everything in motherhood is for me. And I know that you, Taylor, you let yourself have days of defeat. You have days where you yell or you're angry, like you're not perfect. And I know that and I see that and you're human and we all are human. But I know the next day or hours later, you take responsibility and you apologize to your children. And you know now deeply that you received the child you did for a very divine specific reason to mold you, to shape you, to help you let go of control, fear, victimhood. For you, motherhood and spirituality is one in the same, which is why I want your story told. Because you let God use your children to mold you into the human you, you are supposed to be, the tailor you are supposed to be. And the big lesson in this story is that you have learned your powerful mother intuition from the relationship with your children. You've learned how to tap into that wisdom within you, you know, that source that's connected to God. You've learned this from your children. And you've learned your miscarriage broke you wide open to help you embody the mature mother more deeply. And you recognize that you're not a victim to your sensitive child. He's your greatest gift. His sensitivity has taught you everything about regulating your nervous system. To me, your spiritual journey is motherhood. And motherhood is your spiritual journey, which is why we're talking today and why you inspire me. So first, I would love for you to do a short introduction of who you are. Obviously, you, you're married to my cousin, so I know you deeply and I have for what, 15 years? I don't know what it is. Yeah. 13 years maybe? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, I know you so deeply and you are one of my favorite people in my life, but I want you to kind of, you know, do a short introduction of what your background and your life so the audience can get a grasp for who you are. 
Yeah, sounds good. So my name is Taylor. Um, I'm from Michigan. I kind of make that our home base. Um, you know, I married my high school sweetheart, which is your cousin, um, at 23. Um, right before we had gotten married, my husband had just signed a NHL contract. Um, so after getting married, you know, we basically packed up our lives. Um, we started our journey um, and um, left our hometown. Uh, you know, when we started our journey, it wasn't that we were just starting our marriage journey. It was my, you know, husband's career. Um, I could even say I started my motherhood journey because, you know, at 24 was my, uh, my firstborn, uh, and, you know, I was a young mother. Uh, you know, I've had three kids since, uh, three boys, uh, and, you know, it is our eighth professional hockey season right now. And, uh, you know, it's so interesting because, you know, we've lived in four different states. Uh, you know, we've been a part of three different organizations. Um, and my oldest, who's six years old, has lived in 15 different homes. So we've kind of been all over the place. Um, and through it all, all the ups and downs of being a uh, professional um, hockey player's wife, um, you know, I've been able to shift as a mother, um, as a woman, um, as a wife in so many ways. And, um, it's been so beautiful to see what I have embodied and what have, what I have become. Um, and, um, you know, it's, it's been a huge thing for our journey and I'm really excited to dive into this with you today. Um, because there's so much I have never told, I haven't even told a lot of people about, you know, um, I kind of keep our life very quiet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We we have so many conversations all the time, and we go, we have deep conversations all the time. Yeah. Um, but I, I, yeah, I just feel so strongly that I want your story, your perspective out there on the sound waves for other mothers, you know, hopefully young mothers, because the thing that differentiates you from other people, in my opinion, there's, there's, there's many things, but there's this, this one aspect where when you were a new mother to your first baby boy, you started uh, co-sleeping with him that first week and immediately there were opinions and you didn't listen to opinions. You listened to your intuition of what you knew was right for yourself and for your baby. And as a new mom, that's pretty crazy because as a new mom, normally you bend and you, you, you people please, and you do have some pe people pleasing tendencies, but you never people pleased when it came to your motherhood. Never. Yeah. So what about starting with, um, your, your, your birth with your first baby because it did end in C-section even though you read Ina May Gaskin and you did hypnobirthing and you're kind of this holistic woman, but that's not enough when you enter the medical system. It's not enough to read that book because as a new mom, a first mom, often you, if you have people-pleasing tendencies you, you can't really go up against a doctor that's fear-mongering you or saying, hey, your baby has low fetal tones, your baby could die. A new mom or just any mom, any woman, it's so hard to go up against someone that's saying your baby could die. We needed to do a C-section. But now it's six, seven years later, right? Mm -hmm. You know the truth of these situations. 
you know yeah. the low fetal tones is probably a lie based on mm-hmm. faulty fetal tones. The strap that they put on you is not evidence-based. Yep, yep. And you know the truth of this now. So let's start there. Yeah. Um, I definitely started as this naive young woman. I mean, I was 24 years old when I had my first baby. Um, I definitely didn't have any friends who were having babies. I had no family having babies. Um, so I didn't really have any like wise woman in my life, you know, to even talk about this. So everything that I looked into were books, um, you know, uh, you know, I took, so I remember taking one online class on like hypnobirthing. Um, you know, I kind of heard those were the things, right. The, the new and in and, um, but at the end of the day, like none of that, everything that I did set me up to be this like perfect candidate for a C-section. Um, you know, there's a lot of fear mongering. Like everybody would tell me like, go with the flow, you know, the doctor will know, um, you know, even though I just really wanted that natural birth, like so bad. And, you know, I wanted to be no vaccines, all natural, like that's what I wanted to do. And to not have that really, really tore me apart. And I look back on it and I think I was in denial because like I said, when I had my firstborn Maeve, um, my husband's career was kind of going off. So I look back and I definitely had postpartum depression. I'm going to talk to this talk to you about this for sure. And, um, you know, I had a lot of people in my life putting fear mongers, you know, when we were talking about too, like the neediness of my baby, you know, like my husband, I literally went home from the hospital and, you know, uh, he left the next day on a week, um, road trip, you know, so my best friend is gone. Um, I had family there, my mother, my sister-in-law and my sister helping me, but sometimes that's not enough. Um, and, Immediately, I remember, like I said, looking back, I did have that postpartum depression. And I never felt like it was a good time to complain about any of that because my husband's career was taking off at that point. You know, it was the start of it. He's, you know, he was just called up into the, the major leagues. Um, who Who was I to complain about myself? You know, it it just, you know, when you walk into a room, you can feel an energy. You can feel like, what's the right thing to say. And I think that's one of my gifts. And I knew it was nothing I could complain about. Um, and I didn't have friends going through this. So it was really hard to talk about. Um, but, but at the same time, wouldn't you say that though, that if you did say something real, your real postpartum experience, like some sort of complaint or not, it, what's the different word for complaint? It's just your truth, your your inner yeah. emotional world of that first postpartum that there's also this this in the air of because your husband's a professional athlete and you have some money that you don't have the right to complain. Yeah. And you can't yeah. you don't ever get any sort of validation that oh that must be hard Taylor. It's just because yeah. you have some money and you live this high class lifestyle that that you're not allowed to feel those things. Yeah. And like I said, like this was, you know, my husband's career is taking off. So it was an exciting time. There's so many great things going on, you know, going on in our life. And, you know, when my husband got called up, you know, not only did he get called up, but I was just entering that mothering world, right? Like I'm trying to find what's normal and people are questioning, 
what 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 I was doing because I wasn't doing the normal. You know, I was like co-sleeping. Yeah. I was co-sleeping, you know, I I was, you know, nursing, I was um no vaccines, like um, nursing on demand. Not like yes, every, yes, two, yes. every two hours yes. and nurse my baby. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whenever like my, my child baby, was considered needy, you know. Yeah, just because you nurse your baby on demand. It was, it's called needy. That's just the societal, that's what society says. Yeah. Um, And just like choosing my child over a lot of situations, you know, like um, I know through all three of my children, you know, my mom and Tanner always pinpoint that I'm so, I'm so primal. Like I don't even let anyone touch my baby. Like you do not change my baby. You do not, you know, I just want to hold my baby. You know, you'll offer oh, I can hold him in the night. No, I, I got my baby. I don't, I don't want that, you know? Um, but no, so at this point, going back, um, you know, my husband got called up to the major leagues and, you know, we had to live in a hotel for three months. Um, you know, almost three months we lived in a hotel. And so not only did I have a newborn, I was living in a hotel, you know, maybe for a little bit, I kind of felt like this wasn't fair, you know? And I think that's why, you know, as a new mother, you're just, Expecting everything to be a certain way and it wasn't um, but I found so many beautiful things out of it you know as I was able to tune into my mothering instincts you know um, you know I, I had to co-sleep it was it was primal because I was the only one with my baby I didn't have family around me you know they visited for a short bit to help me after um, having him but you know I'm in a hotel in Chicago um, by myself, fending for myself. My husband's on the road trip. Um, I felt like there's a lot of beautiful things out of it, but it was also really hard. Um, <clears throat> and it's funny to look back on, and I have told you this, is I literally packed like a, a bag full of stuff. You know, I, I didn't have a baby shower. I wasn't about doing baby showers and stuff at all, but I still had little baby things that I didn't utilize at all. Like, I mean, I showered with my baby, I, um, you know, co-slept with my baby. I had a couple outfits and, you know, it's, it's so crazy. And when he first became more like mobile and wanted to like play with a toy, I had to like go in the city and try to find this like doinky toy because I, I needed, I wanted something, right? Like he needs the rattle, you know, and I only found this pink, ugly rattle for him and I still have it today. But I was just like, I need something because I didn't have anything. Um, so it's kind of funny because I still have it today as a toy That's for so my boy. Um, yeah, but what you learned in those three months is, which has set the precedent for your entire mothering journey, is that it did. You, your baby only needs you. Yep, yep. I've <clears throat> and you know I I look at it and every child I've had, I have never had a nursery. It's never been a thing. You know, we try to be minimal in this lifestyle and I've never, I've never needed anything. Even to my third baby, I had nothing. Like I even had a dresser putting, put into a changing table, but I didn't even utilize it because I just changed him in bed at that point. You know, <laughs> I was survival mode then though. <laughs> um, oh my gosh. But, but um, no, it, it taught me so much about, you know, you don't, you don't need anything. You know, only that baby, that baby needs you and that's all. Yep. That's what I love about your Maeve postpartum living in a hotel. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, and it was just, and it was just really hard to like, you know, I didn't want pity or anything. Like, I wasn't wanting any of that. But it's just like when you're by yourself in that in that world, and you know, you're you're different than normal people. Um, you know, you're you know certain things you believe in, and you know, you don't have friends who who have children around you. There's no one to talk to. Um, you know, and I talked to Tanner, that's about it, you know. So as, so as a first time mom though, where you co-slept, you breastfed on demand, you literally kept your baby on you 24 seven at all times for many months, which I don't know how that's radical in the society, but it is. (laughs) Um, even, oh, also you went to one doctor's appointment, like one baby well visit, whatever it's called. And you're like, I'm never coming back here. Yeah. So at that point, we were, I think we were already in Chicago and I drove back for the follow-up appointment or whatever. And I basically, I got like five forms of the vaccines he needed. Um, And I was like, yeah, no, that's not happening. And that was the last well visit I went to with my first one. Yeah. <laughs> I never went back. <laughs> I love it so much. And look, your, your boys, you know, they don't go to doctors. They're amazing. They're healthy. They're precious. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. Um, but like, who knew like babies could thrive without a doctor? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it was, you know, I had minimal people like my mother-in-law was obviously um, kind of taught me about the non-vaccines and stuff, but I didn't have many people like, you know, I had to be like quiet about it. Like, I remember being around someone um, when we lived in New York, and they were like, I would never let my kid around an unvaccinated child. And I remember being in the room like, oh, man, you know, like, oops, you know, like, what do you do, you know? Oh, oh my gosh. gosh. And, and I feel like it's more common now, but then it, it, you didn't really talk about it. Yeah. Or even I remember in that first visit, it was like, where's the baby sleeping? Like, I, I hope they're in, like, a crib or a bassinet, and I'm like, and of course, people pleaser, you know, that I am, I was just like, yeah, you know, like, yeah, lying. No, but I'm not going to say, you know, like. Yeah, lying to the doctor because they don't know what they're talking yeah. about. Th- this is what's interesting about you, though, is that you have people pleasing tendencies or you did. I don't know. I don't know if you still do, but you did years <laughs> ago. And, you know, you would lie to the doctor like, oh, yeah, yeah, we're not co-sleeping. Mm-hmm. But you're like, yeah, I'm not going back to this doctor. Like ultimately you didn't people please because you didn't go back to the second appointment and the third. You never compromised your mothering based on someone else's opinion and you still don't. But that from the get-go was always there. And that's what's fascinating to me is you have people pleasing tendencies, you know, which which showed up in your birth, but Mm -hmm. then in your mothering, it's totally different. Yeah, mothering, it doesn't show up. Not at all. Yeah. Especially not like at all. <laughs> like not today. Yeah. yeah. Like <laughs> if you're, if your baby is going through something who's a year old now, you would never look on the internet and, and type and search. No. No. Your wisdom is you. You know mm-hmm. your baby. <sighs> okay. Let's move on to your second amazing, amazing, amazing son, Oaks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so maybe touch on you know, the birth and then who he is. Yeah. Okay. So Oaks, oh man, he came in and he was a gift, you know, 
Oaks is an interesting story because I feel like with him, it was probably one of my least stressful um, pregnancies. Um, you know, at this point, my husband had just gotten traded um, to a new organization. So I was pregnant. We were traded. We were moving to New York. Um, you know, I had to try to find, like, for me, I'm still in that medicalized mindset with the birth, you know, like I wanted really badly to do a VBAC. And so that's kind of what I outsearched. Um, I couldn't find anyone in the area we live that would support um, a VBAC. And it was just really disappointing to me. And at this point, I just felt like, okay, I guess it's a repeat C-section, you know, like I had all the fears, fear mongering at me. Like it was, you know, the hospital didn't have a team if I hemorrhage because I'm at a high risk of hemorrhaging. Um, so you cannot do is you know you have to be a repeat I don't know so. why yeah if you take a scalpel and you puncture a woman's uterus yes you have a chance of hemorrhage but they're purposely doing it which is crazy yeah. and the fact that some yeah. hospitals like your hospital didn't allow you to have a VBAC I think which yeah the the statistic I'm not I don't really care about statistics honestly because I don't trust statistics in the medical system because that's not real birth anyways but still the statistic of a VBAC is I'm saying this because it's mind-boggling you have a one percent chance of a uterine rupture with a VBAC for the first time one percent one percent chance of a uterine rupture and they said no no we are going to purposely rupture your uterus for a c-section instead instead of letting you, oh my God, it's crazy. Yeah, and at that point I was just like, okay, well, I don't know what else to do. I don't, and I remember like searching midwives in New York and it just like, it was really hard in the area I lived. I mean, we were in a smaller city, I guess. Um, But anyway. um, But ultimately you weren't ready. I wasn't ready. Yeah. No. You weren't ready to try to have a home birth, a VBAC. No, that wasn't in my mindset at all. Yeah. Like I wasn't surrounded. So what's interesting about that is like, I wasn't surrounded by women who even did that. It was almost a fear that was put on me. Like who home births? You don't do that. You know, like that's kind of what I had out of home births. No one in my life did it. I didn't know anyone yet. Um, you know, so. Yeah. So it, it wasn't was, even a choice. Like you kind of researched midwives, but it wasn't. Yeah, even, and I thought, yeah. 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 And I thought it was, I thought it was cool. I never was like, oh my gosh, like who does that? It was just like, oh, I probably wouldn't be able to anyway, because I had a C-section, um, you know, but his birth was less stressful or I should say his pregnancy was less stressful because I did, I didn't do the typical screenings. I didn't do, you know, all those normal things. I did say no to those. Um, so I felt like I was stepping a little bit into, you know, being like not a people pleaser, not having to follow anything, everything. And, um, but yeah, so I ended up having a repeat C-section. Um, I, I remember going home shortly after and instantly, um, you know, my husband left on a road trip. Um, you know, I had my mom's support there. Uh, my sister was there as well. And when he left, um, you know, I started noticing right away Oaks was already having um, skin um, issues, like literally day day two, day three of him being born. Um, I did notice a little bit in the hospital as well, and um, it was just really sad. And I just, I almost didn't, 
it was almost frustrating to me because, and to my husband, I remember just being like victim to it. You know, I like to use that word because to me and my husband, I mean, we were, I feel like so healthy and, you know, we were so invested in all of the health, all of the nutrition. Like we were biohackers. We still are biohacking our health, right? But that's my husband's job. Like he has to, um, you know, he wants to be the best he can be. So, you know, we felt like we were doing everything right. And at this point, you know, when he came into our life, it was just like, wait, what happened? How does he have these, um, you know, how does he have all this, you know, these skin issues, you know, he's not vaccinated, you know, um, he was a C-section, but I'm like, but, but, you know, where, what the heck, you know? Um, you know, and then we started looking at nutrition and I remember just spending so much time. Like I went to, I outsourced so much with nutrition. I did the, the blood test I did. Um, you know, I went to the best healers, you know, that people said they had life changing stories. I did all of that. And, you know, every time it just, it, it didn't, it didn't do much. It might've done a little bit, but I don't think much, but I remember just that night, like he would lay on my stomach literally until, Oh man, until I, my, our nursing journey probably ended, but I would just sit there and rub his skin at night and just lay on me because he would just itch, you know, as he got older and was able to do that. And, you know, at this time, we also were aware of emotions being kind of triggered by things, but we never embodied it. We never actually took it full in consideration. Like during times we'd be like, oh, maybe, you know, this emotion was affecting it. Like, to just we knew vaguely about the emotion part of it, but we just stuck with the nutrition. You know, he's gluten, dairy free, egg free. He did it all. He did it all. He was literally eating steaks and he still does eat steaks, but he is just eating steaks like ribeye. <laughs> um, uh, but you well, know. hold on, just say like it's in, uh, eczema with yeah. a lot of itching. Is it hives or would you just say eczema? I would say more eczema than hives. And and was it like head to toe when he was a baby and then he kind of outgrew it, but it still shows up on his extremities? Yeah, I would say that. It was more on his face when he was younger and then that kind of like grew out. But I would say it's just during like in your sweat spots too. Um, yeah, so in the beginning of it, you were a victim to his eczema. It's like, why is this being done to me? I'm a victim yeah. to this. And it's even worse because you guys were perfect. Your diet was perfect. You were doing all the perfect diet things. And then mm -hmm. simultaneously, you know, certain chiropractors and things are like, you know, it, 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 you know, emotions, his emotions or mom's emotions could be affecting his skin. And you guys are like, yeah, I know, I know. But ultimately, yeah. it's easier for some people and most people to change the diet, like be gluten-free than to change your life. Or it's easier to take out eggs than learn how to regulate your nervous system. Yeah. Which is what happened with you guys. Yeah, and do you think about our life then too, you know, like at that time, like, you know, we're, we're in this hockey career. My husband probably wasn't where he wanted to be that year, you know, so that had a whole entire emotional luggage to it, um, you know. My husband's on the road. I'm sure I'm dysregulated in some sort. I mean, I had a two-year-old then. Um, really turning into myself, like, you know, I might have been semi-aware, but I was not aware as much as I should have been. You know, today, Taylor would have been like, 
totally different. But you weren't um, ready, you know, just like the birth. We weren't ready. No. And You're we knew everything. Girl. We knew everything. We did everything. We knew everything. We just never, you know, it's just like one of those things you have to embody it, you know, and logically, you need to apply it. Yeah. Logically knowing, logically knowing the information of his skin could be emotions or mom's dysregulation of her nervous system and then learning to change your life and embody that are two totally different things yeah and then what made you embody it it was the miscarriage wasn't it yeah so um a couple years later so that was covid year um I had a, um, a miscarriage and, um, that was actually a crazy time because, you know, it was COVID. My husband didn't know what the hockey season was going to be. Like we were back in our Michigan home, kind of awaiting word. Um, so it was just a very stressful time in both of our lives just cause you don't know what's going to happen. And, um, yeah, I, I ended up miscarrying and it was crazy because when I started miscarrying, like three days later, my husband gets a text that's like, Hey, you guys need to come down to Texas for starting camp. And it was like, Oh my gosh, like I'm miscarrying a baby and we have to go to Texas in quarantine. Yeah. And I, yeah, I had two babies I was miscarrying and I was like, um, you know, we have to go to Texas and go quarantine for 10 days while I'm miscarrying. And it was like one of those decisions where I was like, do I stay home with family? Do I go with him? And I was like, all right, I'm going with you. I need you. Like, this is, this was one of our deepest, hardest points in probably our life. Um, as you know, a couple, I don't think we've ever went through something like that before. And so it almost felt like we hit rock bottom. Like I remember telling him, like, I don't think I can have another kid after this. Like it's going to take a lot of healing. Um, that was like immediately, it was just so hard, you know? And like it still went back to that mindset of like, why me? You know, like why, why me? You know, do what did I do wrong? You know, um, so you know, fast forward, we pack up our life. Um, my family and his family helped us, and we loaded the car and we went quarantined in Texas in a hotel until camp started. Didn't you? And it, didn't you pack up on Christmas Day too? There was like a timing yeah, that we actually arrived at Chris. We actually arrived Christmas Eve at our hotel. Um, so my boys, when they woke up, it was Christmas Day. Um, and so we weren't allowed to leave the hotel. We had to have food ordered in. We had to have groceries delivered. If you broke the protocol, you had to re-quarantine. It was just, it was intense, you know. And through so that all, like, I mean, I'm processing this miscarriage. Um, It was so hard, but it was also like such a blessing to just be us, you know, in a room and to talk about it. Like I remember that car ride down because we actually drove and that's like 20, 22 hours, 23 hours probably. I remember just talking about everything, you know, just like getting everything off my chest about it. And, you know, it, it slowly was getting, you know, you get so cracked open when something so so tragic happens in your life because you just have all these hopes and dreams for these, you know, babies coming into the world. And that's just taken away. And, you know, a lot of people maybe can't connect with that until you walk that path. Um, But it really cracked me open and my husband and um, it made us reevaluate so much, so much. And I can look back on that now and be like, that was such a gift 
that was such a gift to have that miscarriage because look who I am today. I wouldn't have been who I am today without that. Um, it opened me up to all these like wise women in my life. Um, it opened me up to just like this, I get the goosebumps when I talk about it. Um, it just, it was just so deep. You know, I started just embodying so much with my motherhood, you know, being, being an amazing wife, you know, and I know I was amazing in all those ways, but it was just different. You know, it was just so different. Uh, it was just so beautiful. And, um, that's when it switched with how I reacted to things with Oaks, you know, and his eczema. And I was just like, Tanner, we're, we're being so victim to his skin. And it's, is it us? It's us. Like, you know, look at our situation. Like anytime you come home and you're rattled, he's rattled, he's itching. Um, when I'm dysregulated and I'm frustrated, he's itching, you know, like we're his safety. You know, we need to tell him he's safe at all times. Like he, he regulates right off of us. And I mean, we watch it all the time and we're just like, Oh, too many people are around him. Let's, let's take him away. And he was just that sensitive, you know, and my husband comes from a huge family. So we have people all the time and it takes them a while to, um, get used to people. So, you know, and, and our life is just, we move so much. Like I said, like we've lived in, my, my six-year-old has lived in 15 different homes. Like, you know, I try to tell my kids, like, you know, I try to create this like safe haven for them wherever we are. You know, I teach them that, you know, mom and dad are home. You're, you know, we're home. Um, it doesn't matter where we are. Um, but changing the way that I, I mothered him and changing and being aware of my own um, nervous system, my husband's nervous system, you know, has made an amazing change to everything. And it's not perfect. Don't get us wrong. Like I can't control everything, you know, in our life. Like, you know, there's so many situations in the hockey world that occur without, a, you know, without any, without making our, our decision. So you, you can you know, up and move tomorrow and yeah. you have no choice in that matter. And that's what people don't understand yeah. about an athlete lifestyle is that you yeah. really don't have any control. No, no. And, you know, I've had, I've learned a lot through that stuff because we have, we have experienced it all, I feel. Um, but I think that's why we've grown in so many ways. You know, like I would say, when you look back, when you're in it, it's so hard. But when you look back on it, you've actually received so much growth, you know. So, you know, you just have to find the beauty in it. And that's kind of what I do in everything, like in the situations that we don't want to be in. It's just like, what do we need to work on? Like, why are we here? You know, like, let's not be victim to this. Like, we need we need to work through it together and or, you know, whatever our kids need in those moments. But, you know, I really adapted just this connection in a different way with all my boys. And that has made the biggest change ever. And it's not that I didn't connect in any of my prior parenting. It was just like I embodied it different. And it took a miscarriage for me to 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 find that, I guess, you know, which is just seems crazy. I don't know. <laughs> I know. But that's my journey, I guess. And um unfortunately, um that's kind of how it worked for me. <laughs> I know. The biggest thing with, with Oaks is in his oaks and his skin is that when you were ready you could see in real time what was happening in your house affected his skin yeah 
And that's what you didn't see prior to the miscarriage because you were a victim to it. And then after the miscarriage, it blew you open and just changed who you are and how you operate and how present you are. And it changed your lens and your perspective on so many things that then you're like, okay, I'm not a victim to my sensitive child. He is a gift and he's showing us when there's dysregulation in the house or dysregulation with me. And sometimes, you know, you, your, your, your baby could be crying because they're teething and that dysregulates you. And then that has nothing to do with your control, but still yeah. you get to see that when you're dysregulated, your three, four year old children, not just baby, they feel you, they're connected to you. They are still a part of you. And that's what I have loved observing from you is that your four-year-old, your six-year-old still wants that connection with mom and you're, and you give it to them because they deserve it. It is their birthright to be that connected with their mom, even though they're beyond one years old, even though they're not breastfeeding anymore. Yep. And I think it's like, you know, that and the fact that they also regulate my nervous system, you know, that's really important because there's a lot of situations, you know, when I was stepping into my motherhood and I had friends still in that maiden, um, you know, they'd be like, why, why can't you leave your baby with, with Tanner? Um, well, it's not an option. You know, I'm full-time nursing. Well, who cares? Like leave him with, you know, we leave him with your husband. And I always protected that because that's how I could regulate myself, you know, and I listened to that and I still do today. You know, there's so many things that I've missed out on or I've taken a lot of heat because I've had to tag my baby um, along with me. And, um, you know, but that's what worked for me. And I still listen to that. Yeah, it's just crazy to me that some women or mothers are willing to leave their baby and be dysregulated. Yeah. That's that's crazy. Like, you must not be in tune with your nervous system because after you have a baby, your baby is your home and you are the home for your baby. You're still one unit. It's a mother baby dyad. You're, yeah. You share a nervous system. You share everything. Yep. And even today, like, I know we've talked about this, like, you know, when there's certain things going on in your house, like emotional, um, you know, you're dysregulating, you yell at your child and, you know, your child reacts in a certain way, you know, like they might get sick, you know, like we've gotten situations where, you know, my husband's been sent down to the minor and all of us get the flu all of a sudden, you know, like, you know, my husband just got information that wasn't good, you know, like all my kids get earaches and my husband is coughing, you know, like we've been relating that to our whole life. And it's actually crazy how much we have been sick in a really tough year and how much my kids have when there is something big in our life. Yeah. And, um, you know, we can notice that as parents now and, um, you know, we are more aware of it. It's still not perfect because there's things that you just react. They're so programmed in you, into you to react a certain way. Um, 
but we're obviously aware of it and we work on it all the time, you know? Yeah, the recent situation, which I was actually, I want to bring this up because I was actually affected by it. Me and you, we do like to read about German New Medicine, which, you know, um, is that emotional shocking conflicts affect our physical body. Yeah. And a few weeks ago, you called me because your one-year-old got stung by a scorpion yeah it's scary yeah all i could think about was the arizona scorpions yeah (laughs) this is why this story is crazy is i mean i'm just so happy you saw the scorpion because otherwise he would have had this bite mark and you wouldn't have known how it happened and what it was but that was a extremely jarring shocking frightful situation for you and One or two days later, and you called me while you're dysregulated saying, because just because I live in Arizona and and you thought I might have um, experience with scorpions. But anyways, the scorpion was not poisonous. Your baby was totally fine, which was such an amazing. Really? (laughs) Yeah. But the story is crazy to me because you called me while you're dysregulated and I knew something was off the minute you said, hey, and my heart dropped it was so scary and the next day the lungs is a death fright in german new medicine the next day i had a cough for 24 hours your husband did mm-hmm. your baby yep Oaks, who is, who is, who's in the room yep, yep. was there four-year-old yeah got an ov and ov the one-year-old that experienced yeah, right. we all got a cough yeah, I haven't gotten anything because I still haven't chilled out about it. <laughs> I won't, you know, that whole situation, like, I mean, I was, ignorance was bliss living in Texas because I was like, I know there's scorpions, but to actually see one sting your kid was just like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm used to bears and wolves, not scorpions, but I don't think I'll ever chill out about it until I get back to Michigan yeah. where they aren't because I'm still like in my house, like okay, in the corner, checking my shoes, you know, flicking my clothes because I'm worried there's one attached. Like, it was just mind-blowing, right? But I haven't experienced anything, but I'm expecting it when I chill out. (laughs) When you're healed from that emotional shock. Yeah. But those are the stories that we talk about often, and you have so many just because you're aware of it now. Like, your your kids experience something frightening, or they just have a little – they have, like, an abnormal fight – and then yeah. the next day they have a healing symptom of it. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. And you see it in real time. You see how our bodies are a living, breathing organism that's responding to our emotional world every minute, every hour, every day. Yeah. And and to say that too, like, you know, your, your connection with your husband's a, a big thing too. Like if you're not connected with your husband, your kids feel that. Um, And we notice that, you know, if any of us, if we're off, it's like, all right, we got to get back together with, you know, like our kids are going to react to it. We we notice those things. And those are things that I feel a lot of parents aren't aware of, right? Like if we're dysregulated and, you know, you know, we're busy, we're putting so much on our plate. How, how are you not dysregulated? Or like, how do you not notice things with your kids? Right. Um, I think that's why it's so common to see so many kids getting sick all the time. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up because mom and dad dysregulation and disconnection to me is 
you know, they are supposed to be the masculine, feminine embodiment and stable spot of the home. Yeah. If right. you're not, the kids are going to reflect that. Um, the next thing that's actually coming up in my head that we didn't plan to talk about, but um, I just think it's so cute, <laughs> is um, you know your oldest, Maeve, six years old, really, yeah. really needs one-on-one time with you, yeah. quality, and, and your husband, but dates, one-on-one, quality, quality time. Yeah. And I yeah. want you to tell me about the date that you guys went on recently, because it's so <laughs> cute, including <laughs> the drawing he drew of you. Oh, yeah. Okay, so... We went on a date. Um, it was Friday. Uh, you know, I uh, I picked him up. He had a card ready for me. Um, and he got home from school. Yeah, he got home from school. I, you know, well, I picked him up from school. And we went right on our date. Um, so he had a card waiting for me. It was super cute. You know, I asked him where he wanted to go eat, and he's he loves pho. So we went to a pho restaurant, and you know, we ate soup. It was the best thing. You know, and he, he would tell me too, like, I love you. Thank you so much. You know, he was just so cute because he craves that one-on-one if you know him. You know, he's just, he just loves that. And then we followed it up with some ice cream because if you know him, he loves a sugar rush. <laughs> and I, 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 I used to be really strict with what he can and cannot have. You know, I liked having that control. And I... I don't do it as much. I control what I can in my house, but when we're out, I let him experience. And um, he chose M&M's. Um, oh, he tried a Kit Kat. Tried a Kit Kat. That was a big, big deal because he was like, I have never had a Kit Kat. So it was so cute. I don't, you know, we don't eat that in our house. So, so cute. But what I yeah. love about you is um, you choose your battles with him because he's a soul that knows what he wants and he will make it happen like he's the ultimate salesman like he's so cunning and smart and clever that and he knows exactly what he wants and he knows exactly what he wants to experience he wants to experience all of life every aspect of life so who are you as a mom to hold it back from experiencing life but you have certain boundaries that you know like he needs to get his sleep and things like that but that's what I love that you've learned yeah I have to pick my battles with him you know like what's worth battling that day you know (laughs) you know (laughs) he's so funny but he's yeah he's taught he's taught us a lot and um but yeah I let him experience life now and you know he's older now and you know he wants to experience it because he has friends that get all this good stuff and you know we're boring you know we don't have this stuff in our house and um I mean we have good stuff in our house like it's just not the typical stuff you know we grass just try fed, to have grass grass fed wagyu steaks but yeah maybe wants, yeah. Well, maybe wants my husband yeah 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 exactly because <laughs> he's a kid yeah for sure he's a kid I know he always tells me like <laughs> jokingly like where do you want to go eat and he'll be like chick-fil-a i'm like we don't we've never even been to chick-fil-a like where does chick-fil-a come from you know or like burger king like he's just like but all my friends go you know like all my friends go i'm like i guess you know but i haven't i have not caved to that i can't imagine going to that you know but my my main goal as a mom is to just like educate them on eating nourishing food and 
you know, I'm not going to just string something as bad because I don't think that's a good mindset when you actually end up eating something that is, uh, is, isn't what you consider healthy, right? But, but actually this brings up to a good point of eating habits in your home is that your kids eat everything you guys make as meals because there is no other option. Yeah, they don't, they don't ask for, you know, we'll go to a restaurant and they'll be like, do you want a kid's menu? And I'm like, oh, probably not because it's just chicken tenders, macaroni, and my kids don't even eat that. Um, you know, it's, they'll eat whatever we eat at home. They have, they have like the best palates. You know, if you ask them what they want to eat, they'll say sushi, curry, you know, um, pho, you know, they, they want everything. Steak, you know, just steak and veggies is good. Um, yeah, they'll eat anything. You know, they like to try new things and, you know, they, they like the indulgence of a Kit Kat, you know, <laughs> and pressed, pressed ice cream. Yeah. Pressed ice cream. But I, yeah. my, my perspective on that is because giving packaged snacks as a meal is, was never an option in your house. No. So they know it's not what they're going to get. Yeah. Yeah. From the and day not- one, they have always eaten what you guys made for dinner because that is the precedent in your house. That is what is. And there's yeah. no other option. Yeah. And not to say my kids, like, I mean, they like snacks. Totally. Because when I'm, when I'm going to hockey games, you know, I need, if I want to sit and watch a game, I got to give them a snack. I'm, you know, that's probably like my worst parenting habit is giving my child, my children box snacks. Sometimes, you know, I try to bring fruit and veggies, but obviously I result to a little, a little but uh, I think box that's, snack. I think that's, I think that's smart. I have a friend who, who actually outlaws packaged snacks in the house, but they're allowed while hiking, biking. Oh yeah. Camping. I love that too. And so if, if the kid wants packaged snacks, all right, mm-hmm. let's go for a hike. I yeah. think that's an amazing compromise because mm-hmm. because what happens most of the time is kids um, get full from snacks and then they have no room for dinner and then their whole day becomes snacks, snacks, snacks. But I don't know, for some reason that's just not – your kids love snacks. I've seen it. But mm-hmm. they eat mm-hmm. every single thing you guys make, Yep, yep. which is different. Mm-hmm. Okay, I love what we've covered because I didn't plan to go to some of those aspects, but yeah, this is, yeah, when I come and spend a few days with you, I just love watching everything and it includes that they eat everything that you make. Um, But the last piece is your little OV, one years old, amazing little boy. Mm -hmm. OV, yeah, he... He was what I consider my redemption birth. Um, He's everything, you know, it wasn't perfect. It wasn't perfect, but it was everything that I needed to heal so many things in my life. Um, You know, he, I wanted AV back. You know, I had that miscarriage. It changed me. I didn't have that miscarriage. I probably would have had a repeat C-section. So this time I said, no, I'm going to be back. You know, I surrounded my, my, myself around, you know, amazing podcasts. You know, you shared so many with me, um, you know, the wise woman, um, those voices that I needed to hear to just like, you know, 
have that trust in my body because at this point, you know, I was becoming more in tuned with myself. I was embodying so much. I was, I was ready, you know, I was, I was awake for it. You know, I, I, I wanted it all. And it was so important for me that, you know, I really wanted to push for this VBAC. And, you know, at this time we were in Dallas and, um, you know, at, you know, I, I seeked a, a midwife. That's what I felt comfortable with at that time because, you know, at this point I'm thinking my body's broken. You know, I didn't fully trust in my body. Um, like you but, thought you did and you did to yeah. an extent. I did to an extent. Yeah. But not fully, you know, there, there's still work that needed to be done, you know, but with the amount of fear mongering that maybe I received, it was like, do I actually know that, you know? Um, but you know, his birth wasn't perfect. You know, I, I ended up having a VBAC and it was so beautiful. I, I found that voice in my birth and that's what I didn't have in my first birth. So it felt so good. Like it was the same birth I walked through with Maeve and to have the same thing happen, but have a voice was just so amazing. And to trust that and, um, you know, to come out with a VBAC just felt so amazing. And it was so healing in so, 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 so many ways. Yeah, it, um, it, it was a big deal to because with Ovi, you were in labor for one, two days. How long was it? Yeah, like probably like 30 something hours at that point. I think it was like 30 hours. And then you <laughs> arrived at the hospital and they could have easily fear mongered you and pressured you so bad about your waters being open for more than 24 hours. We need to give you a C-section and you are a C-section two times. Oh, I was, oh. I mean, the amount of fear mongering they were doing, it was just like, let's just wait. Is the baby okay? Am I okay? You know, like I was just like, I know, like I know what happened before. I just stuck to my voice. You know, me and my husband are on the same page and I was like, I, I want to do this. This is so important for me. And, you know, this birth was so different where I remember just like connecting in a different way as well, you know, to Ovi and just like talking to him and, you know, just, you know, it's just different. You know, and maybe those are things that I learned through motherhood and my journey and being able to find that, that, that intuition, that voice. And so, you know, when I, when I, when I had him, it was just the best thing because I finally was like, my body's not broken and I did it. You know, I, I it wasn't perfect, but I did it and look at what I'm capable of. And so you know, it was just so amazing and it was so healing. I mean, I don't, I didn't hit postpartum depression at all. And you know, my circumstances, um, you know, it was definitely like a sad, but it wasn't deep, you know, that was just different. You know, it was, it was, I was sad. I was emotional. I wouldn't call it postpartum depression because I was so proud of myself. I was on all these high of hormones, all that stuff. Um, so it was different, but you know, when I had him, my husband left for, I mean, he was gone from us for many, like almost probably a month, you know, and maybe visited once or twice to check on us. And, you know, I had my mom and my sister-in-law there helping me after Ovi's birth. And I was so, so incredibly grateful, you know, for them being there prior and after. 
Um, but when everybody left, you know, I was, was I like maybe two weeks postpartum and I just had to mother three kids by myself and it was hard. It was so hard. I remember crying. I remember telling you this. I remember being like, you know, it's so hard. I miss Tanner, but I just found that strength to just be like, you know, I have to do this. Like I have to do this for my kids. I have to do this for myself. I can't, I wasn't going to put myself in that victim mindset, you know, like this isn't fair. Like, you know, this is the worst thing in my life. And I mean, Ovi was such a blessing. And when he came out, like, I mean, I was calm. I mean, I was just so different and he is my most peaceful baby. Like he was everything and more because he just, he's just so easy. And I'm very, very grateful for that. But I also think that reflects my nervous system at that time, you know, because I was aware of that. Um, and, you know, I, even through it all, I stayed calm and, you know, Tanner was gone. My husband was gone. And, um, I think it shows a lot with my nervous system because he was just so peaceful and my kids were peaceful. You know, the hardest part for me was keeping up with the energy and like, can we go to the park? Can we go do this? And I'm like, I, I can't do it all. Like, you know, when you have a baby, like you're just like, I'm just getting my bearings back. You know, I'm nursing on demand, you know, your, your milk's coming in. And, but yeah, he was just my most calm baby. And that reflected so deeply of what my nervous system was then. Yeah. Um, even though that was just really extremely hard for me with, with my husband, um, being gone, you know? Um, so it was a tough time, but you know, there were so many blessings out of it. So everything I find a blessing. So, <laughs> yeah. And just what people don't understand about an athlete wife's life is that it's very much like a single parent. Yeah. You're single parenting a lot. And like the other thing with that is like, like I said, you know, you want to create the safe haven for your children, you know, and, but you also want to be this biggest supporter for your husband. You know, he has a total different day and he's coming home, you know, but I have to protect my children in so many ways, um, you know, and you have to kind of find like that fine line, you know, of what you can give and where you give it, you know? Um, but yeah, like sometimes my husband will come home and he's like, um, totally dysregulated from the day and I'm like whoa you need to leave that stuff outside like you cannot come in our house like that because our kids are going to reflect that or like immediately our kids are just acting weird I'm like are you going through like what happened today you know like it's not me is it you (laughs) but that's kind of where we're at now you know like with everything and with spouses like with my husband I can tell his nervous system state the second he walks in the door yep that attunement between partners. Yeah. After I know how many how many years have you guys been together? For us, it's sixteen. Oh man, um, let's see here. Fourteen, maybe. I think like fifteen or something. Wow. Yeah, it's like half my half. Like yeah. <laughs> so one time when I came to visit you, it was recently. Your nine month old at the time was crawling, and his right leg or left leg, whatever, which leg was dragging. Only one leg was doing the work while crawling. Yeah, his right, his right leg. Yeah, his right leg was dragging. And the old you would have brought brought him to a chiropractor immediately. Because years ago, you you used to utilize healers and chiropractors and nutritionists and blah, 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 like holistic modalities a lot. 
And that was always your reflex is, oh, my kid's leg is dragging while they're crawling. I need to bring them to a chiropractor. So that's kind of like a level of distrust, like something's wrong. And now you're different. Your baby was crawling with his leg dragging and you lean into it with trust and you're like, I'm going to, I'm going to just give him the space and the time to see if his body works it out himself. Mm-hmm. And you didn't run to a chiropractor right away. Yeah. Yeah. I, that definitely has shifted. Um, you know, old Taylor would have totally went to a chiropractor and not to say, you know, maybe they're needed in some way. Um, but I trusted it and that's kind of where I've switched a lot of things and how I want to parent and what I plan to keep continuing to parent is just trust the process. And, you know, our bodies are so intelligent and we never, um, we've never given enough time, um, because we just want like that saving, you know, immediately we want the answers immediately, you know, that fear comes in, but if we can trust it, you know, it's like, it'll work itself out. You know, that goes with any illnesses, you know, within our house. Like my kids, I think Maeve had scarlet fever. I don't, I mean, it was weird symptoms, but most people I'm surrounded by would be like, I have to go to the hospital. You know, this is, this is terrible. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to wait this out. This is going to, you know, not giving him anything besides hydration and nourishing foods to support the process of just what he would take. And it always works itself out, you know, and not to say that, you know, I, I don't, I'm against medicalized all this stuff, but like, you know, my oldest had his appendix taken out. Like I'm so, so grateful for that situation, but I don't feel like we always have to just quickly run and, you know, get care immediately, get chiropractors immediately, go to a nutritionist immediately. What else is going on before, you know, before you just jump to that? Yeah. And trusting or or just not pathologizing everything not yeah. not seeing one symptom that your mind labels as bad or wrong and then acting from your mind yeah your mind's label as that's bad or wrong like ov's leg that was dragging while he was crawling you didn't do anything yeah. and like what was it two weeks later yes, two weeks later he was back i sent you a video like look at it, it worked itself out yep then he started crawling normal quote unquote normal mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and this is the funny thing though is if you went to a chiropractor within those two weeks, you would have his, his leg would have correct, his leg corrected itself on its own, but you would have said chiropractor, chiropractic saved him, fixed his leg Mm -hmm. just because it's coincidence. But his leg, his body healed all itself. Not even, it wasn't even necessarily an issue to begin with, but no. But it would have been pinpointed as an issue, you know, yeah. um, because it's not perfect. <laughs> yeah, not perfect and not normal. But yeah. now that you are more of an awake, trusting mom, you lean into things with curiosity. You're like, oh, that leg is dragging. I'm going mm-hmm. to give it time. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, when I compare it to the situation of Maeve with the appendix, like you would have thought, he just had the flu, you know, and there were signs where I was like, this is not normal. Like I had that gross gut feeling of there is more to this, you know, and that's when I knew, you know, I needed to, I need to get this checked out. Like this doesn't feel normal. This is not normal Maeve. 
that's when I seek the care, like when he absolutely needed it. But in those situations when they're sick, it's just trusting the process, giving them the little things to feel better. Maybe all they need is extra cuddles, you know, um, just being present with them, helping them regulate their, you know, bodies back, um, you know, they're healing, you know, they're, they're not, they're, they're going to go back to normal. You just have to trust that and not be, you know, stressed and dysregulated over it because they pick up on that. Yeah. That's a huge shift that I've witnessed you, um, change from that distrust to trust. And it's really amazing to watch. Uh, another thing, another thing I want to touch on is, is what does it what does it look like to co-sleep with three kids? <laughs> Give us the real real. <laughs> oh man. Um so yeah, I've co-slept with all my kids. Um you know, we've we've tried bedrooms, but um you know, <laughs> at the end of the day, me and my husband are in the same thing. You know, it's you know, from day 1, they've all co-slept. They all want to be near mom. You know, they always want to be near dad or mom and we've respected that. And, um, you know, sometimes they'll be like, oh, I'll sleep on, you know, the guest bed and they will fall asleep. But three hours later, they're back in our bedroom, you know, you know, on the floor, wherever we have a bed set up. But right now we have two of our kids in the bed with us most of the night and um, Mabe will be on the floor most nights. But we actually are going back to Michigan soon and um this is where our home is. And we did make a bedroom. This is like their first bedroom they've ever had. And um, it's a little bed that has um, two uh, twin beds on it. And I asked Maeve and I was like, and Oaks, and I was like, are you guys going to sleep in your bedroom when we get back to Michigan? They're like, maybe, you know, it's literally right next to our room too, but we'll see what happens. But um, like they've, a never, they've never had a bedroom. Yeah. And they've never had a bedroom. And Honestly, when we're away for the season, my husband's on the road so much that I'm like, all right, you guys can come in bed with us, you know, like at the end of the day, you love it. I I do. I love it. And I, and I don't, and I think there's nothing wrong with it. I hate that, you know, people make such a bad thing. Like, oh, how do you have any connection with your husband? Like you find the time, you know, like you make it work. And, you know, if it's to make my kids happy and make them feel safe, that is so important to me and to my husband. He's never like, this is ridiculous. And I think that is so important in a spouse that wants to um, support your mothering. Because if I'm dysregulated, like, you know, things aren't going to be normal in our house. So that makes a big difference because so many times it's the husband who's not supportive, you know, and there's certain situations that, you know, the mom wants to listen to that like, oh, I, I, I know this is right. But my husband, or I know this is right, but you know, they say don't do that. And it's like, listen to that mothering, like, listen to that instinct. Like, that is, that's why I think so many women suffer, right? Like, in so many ways. Like, if I did all of that and I was in this boat of a professional athlete's wife, I would probably be the most depressed mother ever. And because I am single mothering almost all the time, I have no family near me. Um, so I need to embrace it in the best way that I can. And, um, that's why I do the things I do. (laughs) Yeah. And with the husband point that you made, it's such a, it's such a massive point because husbands are masculine and most of them are using logic. I think your husband is, is tuned into his intuition a little more than normal men, which is probably why he 
is open to co-sleeping and and he truly honors and respects you. Like ultimately, he truly trusts you and honors you and respects you. This that's why you guys have such a good marriage. But um men use their logical mind. And when men, the fathers try to interject and tell the mother how to mother, mm-hmm. it's unnatural. And that is a huge cause of suffering, in my opinion, because a mother, a woman's role in the house is her mothering intuition. It is primal. She grew the baby. It is different than a father's. A father can be connected to a child and have parent intuition, but a mom is primal. Mm -hmm. And so when a husband's not supportive or a husband isn't fully trusting the mother to step into that mother power, mm-hmm. there's going to be dysregulation, there's going to be suffering, and there's going to be heartache in that home. Yeah. And that's what's different about your home is that is that there there's never that because he trusts you so completely. Yeah. And I think that's why all our kids too ended up co-sleeping is because I've always nursed. So you know, I remember nursing all three of my kids and especially in the beginning, people would be like, well, why don't you just put him in his bassinet and then go back to bed? Why would I suffer and wake up 10 times in the night to bring my kid back and forth to my bed to nurse, put him back in their bed? That just seems like, why would you put yourself in that? Like, you know, but societal, like, that's what they want you to do. You know, that's what people think you have to do, but that's not primal. That's not instinctive at all. You know, I have slept with all three of my kids. I have nursed them to sleep. I mean, I don't, I wake up, but I don't wake up. Do you know what I mean? Like I just get to lay there and they nurse, you know, it's, it's so much easier. And then I don't endure that sort of suffering, but that's how I survived. That's what I had to learn through this entire journey of you know, um, being a single mother, a lot of the times, like if I put myself through that, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be the happiest woman. You know, I would be probably semi-depressed because, you know, every, I become victim of it probably. Yeah. And how happy you are as a mom shows up in that you don't want to be away from your kids. Yeah. I you don't. love your kids. You want to be with them. You're not trying mm-hmm. to have vacations and escape from them and hire a million babysitters all the time to be away from them because yep. you, they are your everything. Yep. And that's kind of crazy that you bring that because, um, you know, this is our eighth, um, season playing and I've actually never had a babysitter. <laughs> And so when babysitters come into town, they're family. They're people who I trust with my kids. They're the people that I can step away for, you know, a couple hours and I'm regulated because they're in the best hands, right? Yeah. Um, When I go back home to Michigan, I have babysitters that are my family. (laughs) Um, I have left them on trips with my my parents because I can step away and trust my parents with them. But, But only after a certain age. After a certain age, yep, I'm done nursing. Um, you know, they're they feel safe when my babies feel safe with my parents because you know we're gone a lot, and then they see them, and we're gone a lot till they have that safe relationship, um, and they they feel okay with us being gone. And we do little trials of just like you know walking away or being gone for a little bit. Um, but 
until they feel that, then I, I, I know that it's okay for me to do that. You know? Yeah. Like probably two to three years old. Yeah. I think I've always nursed my kids up to two. So probably after two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This was so amazing. Thank you so much for sharing your story, your journey. I love watching you, mother. You are such an inspiration to me. I actually can cry. <laughs> You're amazing. Thank you. I love you. I know. And, and, and I always get so much good advice from you and you're one of the wise women in my life and I'm internally grateful for that. So thank you. Thank you, Taylor. <laughs>